Hey there, and welcome to the Elevating Resilience Podcast. I'm your host, Ange Teeple. This podcast is all about diving into the real-life stories of adversity, showcasing optimism, resilience, and grit. We are a community of leaders who are focused on growth mindset and the power of resilience to make an impact on the world. Join us each week as we hear from everyday superheroes who elevate their minds and are resilient in their pursuit of excellence. We are stronger together, so join our movement. Subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, share an episode. We would love to have you part of this. Let's do our part to change the world by inspiring those around us. All right. Ready, boss? I'm ready to go. JD, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the trip down here. Um, we have a special guest today, JD from Princeton University, strength and conditioning coach. Yep. I want to dive right in and just hear a little bit about your background, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. First, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, this is this is this is an absolute blast. I've had a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little bit about myself. Uh, played sports all my life. You know, sports is sports has been such a huge part of 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 who I am and who I identify myself as. You know, and um, I always knew I wanted to be part of sports my whole life. I just didn't know how. Um, you know, I started off. I played football, baseball. Um, and got into, um, luckily got into college and played f- college football. And then um, after that, you know, had, uh, after my sophomore year, had some thinking I had to do about where I really, really wanted to go with it. And, you know, that was really when kind of sports kind of pivoted out of my life. And then I um, always knew I wanted to be part of it somehow. And and so while I was studying in college, I went on and got my master's in exercise science and I knew I wanted to do something. And the weight room was always a huge part for me. You know, um, for those of you who can't see me at home, uh, there's not much more of me, you know, I'm only five <laughs> foot six. So I needed something to help me out, um, yeah. with, uh, with being able to excel at my sports and, uh, the weight room was always there. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those places that I love being in and I thrive in. So, um, I started off doing physical therapy and, uh, realize really quickly that that's not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to try to not necessarily keep people out of here, but make sure that we're keeping our athletes as healthy as possible. But at the same time, like uh, not really making sure that people don't get hurt at the mm-hmm. same time. And I didn't, when I was in college, this was still an ever evolving process. Like it's not the sports performance world that it is now was not the way that I was in college. You know, you had your strength and conditioning coach was one of the position coaches that just happened to like to lift weights, you know, type deal. So, um, with that, we, uh, I, I actually talked with my advisor because I was having a bit of a mental health crisis to tell you the truth Mm -hmm. when I was, when I was a senior, because I realized that physical therapy wasn't what I wanted to do. And I didn't have a lot of time to do anything else. He's like, well, you know, you can make money doing what you love to do. And what you love to do is lifting weights. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, dude, like go, go. And, um, so I went to East Stroudsburg university and got my master's and, um, out of that master's program, uh, you had to do a really extensive internship in the summer and Princeton university, uh, was there. And I'm actually from the next town over. Um, but funny side note, actually my grandparents, when they immigrated here from Italy on my dad's side, they wound up in Princeton, New Jersey. And there's a very large part of our original town, um, small town in Italy called Petronello that's oh. in Princeton right now. And they have this sister city foundation that's there. Really? Yeah. So it's 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 kind of crazy that it, like this is all kind of full circle with me. You know, I've had family members, distant cousins, friends help build the very gym that I work in in the basement. 
So, so cool. It's wild. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it's one of those you know gratitude moments that you sure. think of every time. Like I, yeah. I go in there and I'm like, wow, this is this is this is wild that we're here. Yeah. Um, so it's James D. Divincenzi. Yeah. Divincenzi. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Nice, uh, nice long one for That's you. That's a long one. So uh, my maiden name is Della Russo. So yes. Della nice. Russo. We're going to cross this right now. Two <laughs> yeah, we got two. This is going to be a fiery one for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so after that, like um, while I was there, we actually had a strength conditioning job open. Mm -hmm. And I asked very naively, not knowing how competitive college sports are and strength conditioning in college sports, if I could interview. And actually, uh, my now um, co-head strength conditioning coach told me no at the time. Uh, I didn't have enough experience. So I was like, okay, um, I'm just going to work my butt off the entire mm -hmm. time I'm here. And I did just that. They went through the entire hiring process. And I was a fast learner. Um, mm -hmm. I was there all day, every day. Um, mm -hmm. And I just loved being in that environment. And actually they offered the job to somebody else and that person turned it down. And they came, um, the staff came into the weight room and my boss, Jason Gallucci, who's the director of performance, uh, saw me training like three different groups of athletes. And he's like, I'm not opening this up. I know he's a little green, but we're gonna work with him, cool. you know? So 14 years later, here I am. You know, I'm the, awesome. uh, the uh, associate head strength conditioning coach there now. Okay. And, um, you know, in college strength conditioning, anybody who knows, you know, you don't really have a lot of longevity. And if you do at different places, you're very fortunate. You're you're definitely the minority mm -hmm. there. So the fact that I've been at a major division one university mm -hmm. in my hometown for 10 plus years now, yeah. you know, like it, it's it's been it's been a real blessing. Like sure. I, that's that's all that's really what I can say, say yeah. it is. And it's you know, my dad always says, like, if you you know, you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I haven't yeah. been to work yet. Yeah, so it's that's it's awesome. One of those really cool yeah. Things. And where'd you meet your wife? I met my wife. <laughs> oh boy. So uh, I met my wife. My wife was a special education teacher um, okay. and at a um, charter school that my aunt was a principal in. Okay. And, you know, from a very, very young age, my dad was like, if, you know, you're home in the summertime, you're working. You okay. know, so I needed a summer job. It was, I was going into my, uh, I was just going into my graduate year okay. and I didn't have anything to do. And my aunt called my dad up and they needed um, people to help with um, the kids that had um, any kind of uh, physical outbursts. Okay. Um, just, you know, 90, I think it's like 90 plus percent mm -hmm. of the special education field are women. And some of these kids get really strong, you know, mm -hmm. so they need help. So they, they trained me through that. And uh, mm -hmm. I was working on that. I was working with my wife and um, she hated me. <laughs> oh my god and stop and i know listen i didn't do anything to help my cause like i was you know i was a prototypical you know right out of college kid you mm. know i was i was coming there not taking it seriously like my first day i had like a kid like have like a massive thing and i'm just like screaming dude what are you doing and chris was like you can't call the kid dude he doesn't know his own name like what are you doing and i'm like oh i'm sorry um so long story short she got me fired from that position. She asked me to get transferred <laughs> out of that position. And um, after that, they moved me into another class with a bunch of kids that like, I was actually really suited for. They were like more um, operational defiancy um, okay. kids. Yeah. And so they had like a, they had a male in there to work with them and a rough house with them, but also keep them on the straight and narrow, which mm -hmm. is cool. Um, that was, that was, it was, it was definitely a huge perspective changer for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll never forget that my own wife got me fired from my first job. So, uh, <laughs> there's that, uh, okay. but uh, you know, little, little of her knowing I was the, 
yeah. you know, the uh, nephew of the principal. So I wasn't going anywhere. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's how we met. And okay. then we kept in contact over the years. It was like always one of those things where like, I'd come home or she'd be around mm -hmm. and, you know, somebody would be, you know, either dating or, you know, and then the, the stars aligned and it was, it was, cool. it was great. And we've been together for, uh, for 10 years now. Yeah. So it's been, it's been really cool. So that when you were in that classroom, you kind of pick up some skills that you use. Yes. You did, right? Oh, a hundred percent. And like, mm -hmm. it's, you know, even then when I was, I was, I was a little bit younger and, and, and not in the same mindset that I am now, like you do, you, you, you pick up on where people are coming from, you know, like, and it's, it's, it's a very interesting, that school was very interesting, especially with the, you know, the ODD kids that I mm -hmm. was working with. Um, they, you know, they're all in there and they're all have something else that they're, they're, they're dealing with right mm -hmm. now. And for me to be able to read on different things, I'm like, all right, well, you know, if he's having an episode, like we need to get him out of the room where somebody else, like we need to get them something that they enjoy, you know, like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And, and, you know, it was really great being able to help the teachers that mm -hmm. were there. They were, they were all amazing. They all yeah. took me in and, and, and cool. really, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's really great hearing from still, and still uh, my wife keeps in contact with them to this day. They're some of her best friends. Yeah. So it, it's really cool. And then they all like, they all, they all give her, you know, they all rip her whenever they, when they <laughs> see her, like, can you believe you wound up with this guy? And, <laughs> and they tell her, well, you know, her dream boat has docked. Yes. So yes. That's it. <laughs> So people's stories obviously fascinate me. And like, yeah. I just like to hear like each stepping stone in someone's life to get them to where like you're in your dream job. Right. And yep. so resilience, how do you teach that every day with your athletes? Oh, um, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's you, you hear it in like movies and stuff like yeah. that and it's cliche, but showing up is always the first step. That's awesome. right. And, and, not just the athletes showing up because that's really hard to do, especially at Princeton where, you know, you have some kids that don't like waking up at six 30 in the morning. Yeah. You know, um, you don't have, you have kids that, you know, they, they love their sport, but they love engineering or architecture even more, you know, like, mm -hmm. and you have these kinds of kids, like our school is not a scholarship based school. So mm -hmm. they're there. It's a division one commitment with a division three attitude, right? Whereas mm -hmm. if you quit your sport tomorrow, you're a Princeton university student still tomorrow, where mm -hmm. you're at a power five school, you're out on the street afterwards. Yes. So it's with that, you've got to get your kids to love what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And the biggest way that I kind of teach resilience is I kind of try to frame things in a perspective with them. Mm -hmm. I think that that's one big thing that I kind of, I don't want to say specialize in, but I have this weird thing in my head where like, I always tell them like, you get to do this. Like, yes. right. Like you always have to know that you get to do this and waking up at 60, there's people on this earth right now. And a majority of them would kill to be able to wake up at 630 in the morning to lift weights versus what they got to do at 630. Yes. You know, and it's one of those things and it's, you know, it, it runs off, mm -hmm. but if you, if you, ingrain that and you 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 mm -hmm. tell them that enough and they know that like you talk about your why all the time mm -hmm. like that is that should be tattooed on my forehead okay. right like is that you get to do this because i get to, i tell people that all the time mm -hmm. and there's always somebody that has it harder than you and and after that piece then when you show up when you show up when something goes left know that there's a bunch of people around you that care about you and we'll yeah. get you back onto the straight and narrow mm -hmm.
I love that. We were talking earlier, and I just love this, the piece about the relationships. Yeah. So talk to me again about the interns that yeah. come and work underneath you. What's the first thing that you have them do? Yeah, so my with my interns, always our first project that our interns have is I tell them that by the end of the week, you have to find seven different athletes, mm -hmm. and you have to know their hometown. Mm -hmm. You have to know their family. You have to know how many brothers and sisters they have, mm -hmm. what their major is. If they're a senior, you have to ask what their thesis is. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really with that, like you know, somebody somebody once said, they don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the first piece of it is saying hello and shaking mm -hmm. a hand. Yeah. You know, like it's it's especially like at Princeton. You there's so many so many times I'm walking down a hallway and people's eyes just dart down. You mm -hmm. know, like and I'll always say hi. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. like on my worst day. I'm still very friendly. So yeah. like, and that's just, 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 again, like I'm so gracious and so happy to be where I am that like, I think that feeds off and it, it gives mm -hmm. life to people. But I tell our interns that you've got to see that and they've got to see it and you've got to do it your own way though, mm -hmm. too, because people aren't stupid. You know, yeah. like if you're putting on a show, people buy that, buy into that too. But yeah. once they know that you need to separate the person out before you separate, before you include the athlete back in. That's where you're going to get somebody to run through a wall for you. Yeah. You know, like, and, and, and you know, we, we talked about yeah. this. The best scientist in the world with a horrible buy-in mm -hmm. will just get just that. You'll mm -hmm. get the bare minimum out mm -hmm. of that. You could be a horrible strength conditioning, uh, strength conditioning scientist, but if you can get people to know that you're there for them day in and day out, that's when you can move mountains. Yeah. You know, and that's where we have our championship culture. Now, when you can marry both of them, then you've got <laughs> then 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 you've got lightning in a bottle there. Yeah. You know, like and yeah. that's that's the big part. And it's hard because it's yeah. you know, every day is 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 different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, going back to your question, that's yeah, that's what we do with yeah. our interns first. That's pretty awesome. And we actually like we actually don't start talking about strength and conditioning from a um exercise science or or any kind of um scientific background until week three. Mm -hmm. The first three weeks is all about different wow. ways of building relationships and cultivating that buy-in that yes. we look for. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> so culture, you talked a little bit about it. Um, like I loved how you explained the culture at Princeton and how how you guys do it right with the team of performance coaches that yes. you have. Talk a little bit about that because I just think Princeton's got it right. And I think if more universities had that angle we would be better off as far as the mental health of these athletes. Yeah, I mean, we have we have a really really cool performance model, right? Mm -hmm. Where you know we have our director of performance, and then we have the strength conditioning staff, we have our nutrition staff, we have our mental performance team, we have our athletic uh, training staff, mm -hmm. and then we have our coaching staff. And through that umbrella, you know, that in encompasses the entire sports performance umbrella. Um, yeah. We're fortunate enough; we actually have two. Um, athletics only mental health professionals. Mm -hmm. So that puts us ahead of the game massively. Oh, tremendous. I think. And Dr. Gross, um, Dr. Gross was, he, he wasn't a, only a one man show. Mm -hmm. He was the, um, the primary. And then we had actually four, we, and we still do. And they're four amazing people um, that work with our athletes, but they're like contracted out through mm -hmm. um, counseling and psychological services. Mm -hmm. And then, but now we were able to actually just hire on this week, another full-time person for that position. So, wow. you know, phenomenal. you know, even though we do like, even as an entire sports performance team, like we, we lose the numbers game because we've got 38 varsity sports. We have mm -hmm. the third highest, I think third or fourth highest sport load in the country. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we are doing that. That, but 
our something versus nothing is, in my opinion, so much better than than mm-hmm. a lot of places. And yeah. and we have a lot of people reaching out saying like, "Hey, how do we? How can we model what you're doing?" Yeah. Um, a lot of it is to like our ability for our athletic director to really see like that this is this was something that we really do need to get into the forefront. Yeah. yeah. And and get into uh get into our athletes' heads. You know, mm-hmm. um, the Ivy League, and just being an Ivy League student before you even fulfill that athlete um, mm-hmm. part of the deal is so hard. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it really is, especially like you see them around exam time and it's it's like walking dead around Princeton, yeah. you know? Yeah. So how do we work as a, as a unit so that we can make sure that, you know, when the tough times are tough, we're yeah. getting, if the athlete can give us 40%, we're getting 100% out of that 40%, yeah. you know? And then when times are good, we can get 100% out of 100. But yeah. every one of those frameworks are different. And what's so great is that we're so interconnected, especially because we're all in one building. Mm-hmm. So that's that, that helps. But we're also so interconnected because even though Dr. Gross is just one person, he helps, we, we help him and he helps us be the arm of that. So- yes. Because we're with our athletes more than mm-hmm. he ever will be, mm-hmm. so you know he'll come up and a- he can come up and ask. You know, nothing obviously that's like a, a sensitive issue or, or anything that's HIPAA or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, if there's even an inkling that something's going on, I'll be like, hey, we got to get you in to talk with Doctor Gross. You know, yeah. like we need we need to you that's know, great. and we need you. To, you know, and it, it, a lot of times it's not because they're in crisis either, but like, you know, I think self talk mm-hmm. right now so important is and it's. I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think younger athletes have it so backwards that mm-hmm. it's so negative. I hear such negative oh, yeah. self-talk, yeah. in, especially in the weight room, you know, because yeah. that's kind of a traditional weight room environment, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to use the words that some of the athletes use, but you all get it, you know, yeah. like um, I did it, but, yeah. you know, I pull them aside all the time and I'm like, hey, you know, what do you need to do in this situation? They're like, all right, well, it's a one rep max back squat test. I'm like, okay. So what do you need to do there? And they'll break down everything that is. I was like, what part of you calling yourself that name is going to su- help you succeed in making that mm-hmm. rip? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, like that kind of stuff. So it's it's helping them with self-talk. Visualization is huge. Yeah. Um, he's a huge meditation guy. Oh. So like, and I think this is what's really cool about Princeton too. And he reached, like we actually just have, so um, one Monday a month, we have um, a coach's, an all coaches meeting. And in this last all coaches meeting, he talked, we actually had CPS talk and he talked about what it is for us and what we go through, you know, when we work with our athletes, which I think is something that is often overlooked. We are always the rocks, Mm -hmm. right? But, you know, you chip away enough, you know, you're going to have some problems, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, we have coaches that have had to deal with so much just this year in terms mm-hmm. of their student athletes that we need help too. Yes. So they talked about, you know, what we can do, you know, who we can get in contact with and also like pulling us together as groups and doing like coaches meditation yeah. and coaches visualization, yeah. which is, which is really cool. I really hope they like, um, I really hope they do like go into that. I know we're kind of like all over the place and busy, but I, I think especially the visual visualization work. Like yeah. I'm not I'm not super big personally into meditation. My yeah. my brain just goes, I mean, you can hear how fast I'm talking. It's going yeah. even faster up here. Yeah. You know? Um, but 
visualization, I think, has mm. really helped me as mm. I've gotten older mm -hmm. and knowing how to, where I want to be so then I can work reverse engineer mm -hmm. and work backwards. Mm -hmm. You know, and like, and when you're young, you don't see it. You know, everything is the worst possible thing that can happen. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Um, and like the sky is falling when the littlest thing happens mm -hmm. with these younger athletes. Yeah. And so we could be like, hey, listen, visualize what you need to do. Yeah. You know, and then our CPS staff gives them the coping skills to be able to work with that. Yes. You know, and then also trains us in helping them in the yes. weight room with different ways of talking to our athletes. Yes. Um, which is, you know, I think another really interesting point. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great that they're modeling the behavior that we want these athletes to do with you guys as a staff. Because if you guys are comfortable as a staff doing it together, then you're going to want to do that and take time for your athletes. Yeah. I think that's really important. And you made a point about meditation. So I was not a meditation person. My mind goes as fast as yours. And usually I talk very fast, but I'm taking all of these communication courses about slowing down. But uh, I started meditating and it's very similar to visualization. Mm -hmm. And when I turned the perspective into that, so when I meditate, you can actually meditate on the thoughts that you want to project in your life. Okay. So I don't just like meditate to stare into like deep space or I don't meditate to my breathing or I don't meditate to my to like a fountain playing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I meditate to the thoughts that I want to repeat over and over in my head. Okay. And it takes me to this like energy space that my like unconscious becomes conscious. Really? It's yeah. I'm going to have to talk more about it with you. But yes, like please. it changed for me like oh. completely because it was like, wow, that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like and also what you go through, you probably have a lot coming at you. Yeah. You're I mean, you're in a top university, Ivy League. You're a dad. Yeah. You're a probably a phenomenal husband as well. You have all these plates and you've got to take that time to be able to, you know, also manage each one in the moment and being present for each one of them. So yeah. it's helped me be present. Yeah, and, it's pretty cool. You know, honestly, like that's so cool that you actually yeah. just mentioned that because I struggle with like, especially now, like I, I, you know, being completely honest, like there's a lot of times where I've talked with my wife about this, like the number one thing that like, I, I, I don't buy into New Year's resolutions at all, mm -hmm. but like the number one thing I need to work on and I want to work on right now is being present, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's hard because you're, you're, you're pulled in 500 different ways mm -hmm. and directions. And then when you're home, mm -hmm. it, the, the stillness actually like kind of drives you nuts. Even though I got a six-year-old and an eight-year-old <laughs> that are two of the most energetic kids in the world. They're, I don't know they're why. Amazing. Yeah, I don't know, right? <laughs> and if you met my wife, she she puts me to shame. No, so like, no. she's uh, yeah. So it, it's it's one of those things. But like, I find myself, you know, especially now with the information era and Instagram mm -hmm. and scrolling and all that stuff. Like, I've like actually like fully acknowledged. I was like, I have to stop this because I'm missing so much. Yes, and. Google Photos is, I think, the coolest thing because it yeah. lets you see backwards in time. Yes. But a lot of those times, I'm I, like, I think in my head now, I'm like, was I hope I wasn't on my phone when these things were happening. Mm -hmm. You know, like because it's hard enough to remember now. You mm -hmm. know, like so I'm actively trying to like I tell my athletes now, like if you need to get in contact with me, I was like, obviously, if it's an emergency, I have my ringer on. But if you're expecting a text message me from me between the hours of six and nine o'clock. You're not going to get anything until yeah. after nine because yeah. that's my time to be home with my family. That's awesome. And that's, that's you know, like we as coaches have such a hard time disconnecting because mm -hmm. um, we want to be for be here for our athletes yeah. all the time. You know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard line. But like 
you the athlete also needs to know when where the, the you have to set healthy boundaries. Yes, you know, like mm-hmm. and and if there's one big thing that I did get wrong, and and I can definitely admit that, especially like when my kids were really young, mm-hmm. especially over COVID, I think everybody's boundaries were completely broken because of Zoom. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I remember getting like like the hearing the Zoom thing at like ten thirty at night, and <laughs> yeah. like people wanting to hop on a call. Yeah, you know, like so being able to reestablish those boundaries, and then like, you know again through introspection, like knowing that I I need to be more present now because mm-hmm. this, this, these times with my kids my personal kids mm-hmm. is so precious and yeah. they're, they're at such a cool age right now like that six to eight years mm-hmm. old is 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 a magic time mm-hmm. you know so like i need to make sure that i'm soaking in this as much as possible because i'm gonna miss it yes. you know like and, and we have we have enough stat like it's really cool like princeton university is a family athletics is yes. very family oriented we have so many people with with small kids middle kids and mm-hmm. older kids that like i'm learning a curriculum on parenting mm-hmm. with other people too. Yeah, which is that's cool. cool. I like that. You know, like mm-hmm. so it's cool uh it's it's yeah, that perspective mm-hmm. is interesting. But like yeah. that's that definitely like being present. So like yeah. I would I would totally love I would love to hear any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's cool. And and I think it's important too for the athletes because back when we played, it wasn't like that. You didn't meditate, you didn't visualize, mm-hmm. you did. You did yeah. what your coach told you and there was nothing else left. Yeah. And so we became us. Like I feel success from doing a million things in a day until I burnt myself out completely. Hmm. And right. And so now it's like, that isn't success. Success truly is those moments with your children. Success for me is truly like actually honing in on the conversations that you have and the, in the impact you have and the purpose. So if we could teach these kids that, then it's like, maybe then when they get to be our age, they can. slow down and raise kids and you know what I mean like so I think that it's kind of like that whole continuum of all of us changing with the times changing like not just the kids so I think it's cool but I think Princeton definitely is definitely getting it right and it's obviously the leadership from the AD to you know especially what's uh, Dr. Gross yeah Yeah. Dr. Gross that's phenomenal again I can't I can't stop singing his praises because he's he's done so much like with not a lot of like I mean like again we give him as much support as possible but again yeah. it's he's one to fifteen hundred athletes mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's 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 definitely hard for him to like reach and our our athletes need help yeah it, it, it's it's one of those things where you know it, it does get I don't want to say it gets alarming at times but it does you yeah. know like it, it's it's with anything and these kids are so hyper focused mm-hmm. and so driven because. They've been the best their entire lives yeah. and not just the best at sports where like you'll see like a division one athlete, like especially a freshman, right? Big fish, small pond type mm-hmm. deal. Right. And then all of a sudden they get thrown into the college setting and they're against six other ones that are either mm-hmm. them or better. Mm-hmm. Well, do that. But then also the most brilliant minds that you can find. Yes. And that's that's Ivy League athletes. And mm-hmm. it's. You know, it's funny. I like to I like to mess with my kids a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. This is you know a little sick sense of humor with me. But like, I'll I'll go I'll go up to one of our guys during exam time and be like, "So what are you gonna get a C on?" And they'll like <laughs> look at me and be like, "What?" And I'm just like, "I'm just messing with you." Like you know, like um. But it's like one of those things where like that that's not an option. Yeah. You know, like these and a lot of times school came very easily, just like sports comes very easily to us. School yeah. comes just as easily with them. Now they're at a place where yeah. you know 
you get a 15 on a test and that's a passing grade because this class is so hard, yeah. you know? So yeah. like it's, and, and you're, you're going toe to toe with some of the best academic minds you'll find. Yeah. So, you know, and, and like I talked to my other colleagues at other Ivy league schools and they're, yeah. they're fighting the same fight. You yeah. know, it's one of those things, especially around exam time. So I'm assuming that there's a lot of teaching these kids how to fail and pick themselves up. Yes. I, I would assume that that's like a big lesson because they probably haven't failed much. No. Being at the top and, of the top. Right? Yes. And Academically, athletically, they're coming here. They haven't failed. So that's the lesson that we're teaching them. Yep. Yeah. Do you see that a lot? You, yeah, you do. And usually it's very interesting because you see really successful athletes versus the athletes that are, that are you know, you have your bell-shaped curve, right? Sure. You the, the ones on the left. They're very adaptable to failure. Yeah. Um, and they also know like how to give, you know, their volume of their um mental and physical faculties mm -hmm. to what at what periods of time. Okay. Right. Versus you have your middle ones that are kind of floating all over the place. Those yeah. are actually, in my personal opinion, the most dangerous ones. Yeah. Because like it once it goes left, it's you know, the, mm -hmm. they, they don't have either where we, that's where really we need to step in yeah. and help. Yeah. And then you have ones on the bottom, which you've really got to really focus in on. And like they, some of that focus might be, Hey, you might need to take some time away. Yeah. You know, like, and, mm -hmm. and, and that's a big part is letting our athletes know that there's no shame in that, mm -hmm. you know? And, and like, obviously we want them to be mentally tough. I hate that word though. Yeah. You know, cause there's no set definition of what that is. It's different by everybody. Yes. You know, you don't know every athlete's story. You don't know mm -hmm. how they were raised. You mm -hmm. don't know what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And to give a blanket statement like that is, is doing them a disservice. It right. Is. So, mm -hmm. um, how do we help them not model after, if you're on the one side, not completely model what's there, but maybe parrot it a little bit, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. see like, all right, well, if they're doing that and we do this really great thing, we talked about um, this on the, in the car where yeah. we have this thing called student athlete wellness leaders, oh, yeah, our souls. Mm -hmm. And um, what's really cool is so they have this group at Princeton, um, the Saul group. And these are the athletes that really kind of have the pulse of the team. Mm -hmm. And so with that, they have, um, they have meetings. I think it's once every month or mm -hmm. it might be bi-weekly. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, but, and they meet and they talk about the issues that they're facing right mm -hmm. now at Princeton. So, you know, we have right now, especially too, it's not just in the sports world. It's, you know, we have a very, very progressively, um, unified world in our small area of campus yes. and that has everybody in it and with what's going on in the world right now mm -hmm. we've got athletes from all walks of life and all areas and, mm -hmm. and and everything so it really helps having these groups of people to help get help to yes. people that might be struggling that don't want to say anything to their coaches because yeah. we can be there for them all the time but they're going to get the most out of their peers yeah so the ability for us to be able to kind of tap that pulse a little bit mm -hmm. is 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 really really do you all us. meet with them as a group we don't so our director of performance meets with them okay. and then there's also a couple of other people from compliance dei oh, cool. um they'll all meet and okay. like kind of talk and then they'll also talk about like hey here's what's offered at princeton you know yeah. like one of the big things over covid was our students didn't know that you could actually when you were quarantined you could get food delivered to you. Oh, wow. You know, okay. so like our, our uh, nutritionists, you know, meeting with and, and letting them know that, mm -hmm. you know, like letting them know which areas of CPS to, yeah. you know, go to if they're yeah. like knowing what the actual avenues are if one of your, one of your teammates is in crisis. Mm -hmm. um, 
if your teammates doing really well like what do we like like you yeah, know like, I, like I, I think a lot of a lot of this right now we're focusing on the negative but like yeah. the positive is even more important because mm -hmm. i think that's what makes us so successful sure you know like we have we have a very very big winning culture at princeton and mm -hmm. i think a lot of it is is like we know how to get our athletes help when they need it but even more importantly we know what to exploit mm -hmm. and you know squeeze the juice as much as we possibly can oh. out of success mm -hmm. and that only happens when we get everybody you know we win the locker room and mm -hmm. we get everybody moving forward at the mm -hmm. same time so you are so there's two things oh my gosh first thing is is like win the locker room right so you're the strength and conditioning coach so you've been able to work with all these different teams mm -hmm. would you say that there's definitely a correlation between the successful teams that have won the locker room mm -hmm and the culture. 100%. Now a quick message to shout out our sponsor, Birkin Manor Real Estate, a family-owned real estate company with a team of highly seasoned professionals who are dedicated to giving you a one-of-a-kind home buying experience. Okay. I don't think you have success without the locker room. Okay. You know, like, and I've been a part of some of the most successful teams at Princeton, and that was the one unifying bond that they've had there over awesome. different sports mm -hmm. was you had 16 guys on men's basketball. You had 120 football players. You had 24 field hockey players. You had all these different athletes all moving forward. And even you're not going to get a hundred percent buy-in, but what you're going to get is you talk about resilience. Mm -hmm. You're going to get everybody moving forward. You know, that old, you know, you talk about like the, 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 uh, the Spartans, mm -hmm. right? The most important part of the Spartan army was that they moved as a group. Yeah. One was never more important mm -hmm. than the other. You're going to have your superstars and your most talented and you're only going to win with those. Mm -hmm. Right. But you're also going to have your practice people pushing them mm -hmm. so that when time comes where they need to be resilient in the game, they go out and they win you the mm -hmm. game. You know, like it's, you never have success without having them moving forward unified. Yeah. And that's really where, you know, like, and I've been on the other side, I've been part of some really bad teams at Princeton, yeah. you know, and that was the opposite side. You know, yeah. you had locker room politicians, you had um, coaching staffs that were not understanding how to get to the athletes you know mm -hmm. like and every year you've got a whole new group of yeah. people coming in you know mm -hmm. like um i work mainly with men's basketball and i can tell you the freshman class that we have now is completely different than the sophomore class that we have mm -hmm. you know the sophomore class is completely different than the juniors and the ju senior class is different than them but they all find ways to work together in harmony yeah. Yeah. um our water polo program, same deal. I work with like the mm. water polo team here. So cool. And it's it's cool because like it's 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 interesting because they're all a bunch of laid back California bros and you've got this <laughs> uptight crazy Italian from New Jersey like working together. So it's kind of like an odd couple type deal. Yeah. But like they I love working with them because it shows you a way of doing things differently. Yes. You know, like same thing with coaches. Like I've had coaches like, you know, our football coach. Bob has every second of every play of everything at practice tightly correlated and and and, and written down. Mm -hmm. We had this one coach who's one of the most winning coaches in college swimming. His name is Rob Orr. That guy didn't know what he was doing until he walked on deck that day. Oh wow! You know, like yeah. and so like to be able to see how these two different things work, but how ultimately the only reason why they were they were they they have the success bubble that they have is because they know how to relate to their group of athletes. You know, like mm -hmm. with Rob and our swimming guys, like I learned a really hard lesson my first year of strength conditioning because one of my first teams that I had was men's squash. Mm -hmm. And so I was assisting with football 
and I would go from football to squash and I would go and be football strength coach JD to the squash team. <laughs> and like, there's a lot of sports where strength yeah. conditioning isn't directly in the DNA, mm -hmm. you know, like, and a lot of these teams, the first time they're mm -hmm. doing organized strength conditioning is when they walk into my room for the first time. Yeah. And I remember, and, uh, there was an amazing, like he was one of, he's, he's a very, very highly winning coach. He he's, he's recently or not recently deceased, but he's passed away. Bob Callahan was one of the, one of the most amazing people that I've ever met. And Bob <laughs> came up to me one day and he's like, Hey, uh, he had a real soft voice. He's like, Hey JD, um, I think you got to change the way that you're talking to the guys. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, he's like, you're scaring them. And I was like, oh. I thinking about it and I'm like, oh yeah, they're probably, you know, like they're probably not used to this like crazy. Like I used to have a shaved head too. So yeah, oh, this boy. Like, crazy dude like coming down and, and yeah. the second I changed, like the weight room changed, you yeah. know? So like you see that, like again, yeah. you win the locker room, mm -hmm. right? Like, and my coaching style now is completely different. I have five main teams. Every one of them gets a different version of me. Mm -hmm. They get the number one thing they get from me is accountability. That's the backbone. Like yeah. I'm going to hold you accountable. You have to do my basic rules and, mm -hmm. and we'll be fine. But after that, I'm going to talk to not only the team differently, but individuals on that team yes. differently too. Yes. And, that, and that's, that's a really important part is, is yeah. especially too. And it's, it's hard, you know, like yeah. Bob's got to do it with 120 football players. Mm -hmm. You know, Mitch has to do it with 16 men's basketball players, you mm -hmm. know? So like you have that, but what's cool is you also your ability to use your assistant coaches mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. arms and your strength staff, you know, yeah. like, it this doesn't happen at Princeton, but like you'll hear a lot of people have heard like you're when you get to college sports, you're with your strength coach more than you're at with your yeah. rather coach. We don't have that because we don't have summer school. So mm -hmm. ninety five percent of our athletes go home mm -hmm. um, instead of here in the summertime. But anywhere else, you're only with your strength staff due to NCA regulations. Yeah. But we're still like the pulse that we have with our athletes. And what's been really great. And so like. I want to say from like 2009 to like 2015, we were we were very successful. But then right around the 2015 time, and I attributed a lot to this because we hired more strength staff on. Mm -hmm. So I used to have eight teams. Mm -hmm. um, and now I only have five. And now I'm able to travel with my teams more. Oh, cool. And I tell you what, like when I was able to now travel with my teams, yeah. that's where the buy-in Bang. Yeah. You know, because yeah. now I'm we're hanging out, we're having dinner and we're watching sports or we're watching yeah. something, we're watching a movie on the it's bus. Huge. And we're able to mm -hmm. that's like especially like athletic medicine. Like yeah. they're they're even they they can even build that even faster because mm -hmm. it's all one on one. You know, like yeah. I get my one on one time now when I'm traveling with my team. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I can imagine that being different. Yeah. Yeah. We traveled with our uh strength and conditioning coach and our more our athletic trainer, I would say. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, definitely. I mean, that's, that's more common. You yeah. know, like we're, we're actually not seen as like mandatory staff on yeah. traveling things. Like, I, this is like, it's not voluntary, but like yeah. at the same time, like if I can't travel with stuff, and, yeah. and this is another part about Princeton that's so great is that we are so family oriented that, like, you know, if I have family stuff come up, you know, Mitch is like, dude, don't come. Like, yeah. you, I don't need you at this game, mm -hmm. you know? Like, yeah. so it's one of those things where like, I like to think that what I do when I'm yeah. there really helps. But at the same time, it's not like athletic medicine where if, if an athlete were to get hurt, they need medical attention. Yeah. You know, so like we all understand that. So I'm like, all right, well, how am I going to earn my paycheck then? Yeah. You know, like, so yeah. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to build as many relationships with these athletes as possible. Yeah. And you can't do that in a weight room. Yeah. You know, I only get 45 minutes with them so I can get surface level stuff. But yeah. afterwards I can, yeah. you know, when we're just hanging out and like BSing in the, 
in in the in the you know in the lunchroom or something mm-hmm. like that you know mm-hmm. we get to, that's where really you know mm-hmm. the uh the rubber hits the road when yeah. it comes to building a relationship yeah so you definitely have a growth mentality obviously right <laughs> so tell me a little bit about like are you a podcast guy what's your favorite book kind of like um, where do you just keep feeding i you know i'm like yeah i'm a sponge when it comes to podcasts yeah, and sure. it's it's like my like i think i'm full with the, yeah. as many as i have yeah. you know i you know i love listening to anything from like um and i listen to npr i listen to like okay. president's daily brief and okay. things like that so like i at least know a little bit of what's going on in the yeah. world you know um i like entertainment podcasts i listen to joe rogan or you know mm-hmm. two bears one cave with tom yeah. segura and burt kreischer like because i like i'm I, I like to think yeah. i'm a funny guy and i love to laugh okay so um when it comes to like mindset i, I love anything simon Sinek does okay. I, I think he he's really good i like i love reading and getting perspective from people who have served. Mm-hmm. So um, Tim Kennedy is one of my favorite and, and, and listening to him and and hearing any of these, any people, you know, Jocko or, or, yeah. any, or any of those types of things, you know, typical strength coach, I guess you could say. Yeah. But oh. at the same time, like the message is what the message is mm-hmm. and it really helps. Yeah. Um, I can tell you the most, the best team building exercise we ever did was we took the basketball team to Fort Dix. Okay. And they did an, they did like military, like I, I was really afraid because I thought we were just going to do like, like beat the crap out of yeah. them, like military style. We didn't do that. We sat down in a room and listened to servicemen and women who were field medics, field engineers, mechanics, and how they work as a team mm-hmm. there to make sure that the mission is done quick was is done well and with no loss of life okay and that was i that in my opinion like yeah. it was the coolest thing in the world like it yeah. blew my mind yeah. but i love hearing how like our military does that and and you know there's a lot of merit to that mm-hmm. like so that's I, I love listening to that um i'm not really a huge reader um mm-hmm. just like again my mind just doesn't stay still <laughs> so I, I i love listening to audiobooks yeah. though so um malcolm cool. gladwell sure. um a lot of a lot of those you know mm-hmm. self-help books um mm-hmm. i like to listen listen and read about finance as mm-hmm. well too um yeah. i tell our i tell my interns all the time you know it's not about the money you make it's about the money you keep mm-hmm. so especially in our field where mm-hmm. you know our field does make does not start off making a lot of money mm-hmm. so you know if you don't want to burn yourself out, you've mm-hmm. got to make sure that the things that you can control, you can control. Yeah. That's um, advice. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. Well, our time is up, awesome. but I do want to ask one thing from you. Sure. Define resilience. Resilience. Resilience is the ability to stay focused when ad- adversity hits you in any different way. And then when time comes to ask for help, you're able to do it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. JD, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Remember, every small step counts in the journey towards self-improvement. Keep it real. Empower those around you. And let's break barriers together. Much love and gratitude. A.T.